Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together twice a week and we chew on God's word and share that with you. This week we have the man, the myth, the legend. You may have heard of him, Sean Duncan. It's me, Sean Duncan. It's Sean. Back at it again with another Bible verse. And the white vans. Yes. No white vans. No white vans. Fly shoes. Yep. That's a pop culture (laughs) reference from 2016. You're just welcome. To show how hip we are. <laughs> okay, so uh, just to recap, we got through all the Beatitudes. We took it almost one verse at a time every yep. week yep. or every episode, and we finished that we last finished. episode. Yeah. What's left? Is there anything left of the Bible to even cover? Yeah, I mean, there's like a few things <laughs> left, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. There's a few things left. <laughs> okay, what's next? I'm buckled up. I'm ready. Okay, so the Sermon on the Mount spans from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. It's Jesus' longest recorded teaching, and it's his first teaching in the book of Matthew. So far, uh, what you've encountered is the genealogy, the birth narrative, and then Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by Satan after he's baptized. And there he you know, he throws some, some good shade back at Satan. He's like, you shouldn't tempt God. It's awesome. He's quoting <laughs> scripture the entire time. Um, and then he he's walking and gathering a few disciples and crowds are following him because he's healing. And then all of a sudden he teaches. He sits down and he starts teaching. And before he starts saying, here's what you should do, here's what you shouldn't do. First, he says three really defining things about identity. First, the Beatitudes, which are all you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. He says nine times over, actually, that these people, because they're his disciples, because they're his followers, that they're blessed. Next, he's going to say, you're salt. Then he's going to say, you're light. Then he starts talking about your understanding of Torah, of the law, the instructions of God, and and then the spiritual practices of the kingdom. But first, he just starts with identity. So we're we're in that second part uh, of three uh, of the identity of a disciple. So uh, they're blessed. A disciple is blessed. A disciple is salt. And a disciple is light. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be super salty. Mm, I am playing video games. I get so salty. Yeah. Maybe not what you meant. No. Yeah. So uh, being salty is not when you haven't showered in a long time. And being salty is not when you're bitter at a spouse. Okay. So (laughs) let's talk Bible. All right. All right. So Matthew five verse 13. So we are back to only doing one verse, but it's kind of a long sentence. So it works. There we go. But Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's what I do with yeah. my salt. Yep. So that's the sentence. So, you know, kind of like a head scratcher. And then he just moves on to the next thing. Um, but I think this is a really profound verse. And the whole idea of this podcast is like we're supposed to be chewing on the word and in our private time. So these are the things that are mulling around in my head. But I did have extra time today. I knew we were going to talk about this. So I chewed on it even more, and the places I got, I'm just so excited to the share. The flavor. Yes. So much yes. flavor. Nice pun. That was good. <laughs> that was a good time. So he calls the disciples salt. Um, and salt in the first century had, had a few key purposes, and it was really popular uh, means for trade. It was like a trade currency because of how valuable salt was as a resource. It, it was very common, but it was very valuable. And Salt was used for a handful of things. One thing was the preserving of foods. So you'd mix it in with food or put it on meats because they didn't have freezers or refrigerators then. So you would salt the heck out of your meat. And that's how you would preserve meat to last for a long time. So it's a preservative. 
It's also a purifier. Um, if you have wounds, salt, although it stings, it does heat bring healing to those wounds. And then um, most commonly, it it's, brings out flavor. I mean, that's how we use salt now um, in, in our everyday life. Like most people aren't preserving meats with salt, although that still happens. But at least in our, uh, like living in Oregon and Eugene, you have salt on your table. And you throw that bad boy on your steaks when mm. when the steaks are just a Butter. little overcooked and it draws out the flavor. Have you ever had McDonald's French fries without salt? What? No, they're horrible. That sounds bad. It is so bad. I can't even <laughs> believe how bad McDonald's French fries are without salt. And then you salt them. You're like these are the best fries in the market. Is that Nothing beats it? That should be one of those things on the list of like qualities of a serial killer. Is you know. Oh, it's eating, eating, eating unsalted. Yeah, yeah. French fries. Yeah. Um, Red flag. The movie theater popcorn. You know, you get a little, you get that butter mm-hmm. on there with the MSG and then mm-hmm. you throw some salt on it and the salt just brings out flavors and it makes things taste better. It's amazing. So that's what salt does. And that's definitely what Jesus is keying in on here. He, maybe he has this idea of those other uh, two aspects of what salt was commonly used for. But he's definitely talking about taste, the drawing out of flavor, because he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? And in this time, in Jesus' time, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have what we have on our table as salt, which is purified salt. So some salt, it's mixed with other minerals. So not all salt was, quote unquote, salt was salty. So, But he's saying that salt has this specific purpose to bring about a flavor, bring about a taste. He says, if you, if you lose your quote unquote taste, it's you're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So now we're starting to see that our identity does correlate with our purpose. Hmm. That having a, an identity does inform what you do or at least are supposed to do. So my phone, which is sitting right next to me right now, I'm holding it in my hands. This is not a hammer, Chris. It's an iPhone. I don't know. It's an iPhone 8 Plus. And I know you are anti iPhone. (laughs) You're an Android guy. All Apple products are hammers. (laughs) We we pray for you every day. Anyways, I have used my iPhone to hammer things into the wall before (laughs) because I was without a hammer. However, when I use my iPhone as a hammer, it does not make it a hammer. Mm -hmm. So action doesn't inform identity, but identity does inform action so i do have hammers uh, at my house and i we have hammers here at the office for for hanging things and even if we never use it for hammering its purpose is to hammer things into a wall or to pull a nail out of the wall so it's inform the per the identity informs the purpose and being a disciple that's our identity we're blessed we're salt and we're light that actually informs also our purpose so there's an aspect to our identity of saltiness of what we're supposed to be doing. And apparently if we're not doing that, then we're basically like um, taking my iPhone and writing the word hammer on it because we're not actually that. So we become hypocrites if mm-hmm. we if we aren't doing what we are made to do. So that kind of raises the question, well, I don't want to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet, right? <laughs> not good. I don't prefer that outcome. So, so I, it just gets me thinking, okay, what does it mean to be salt wasn't mean to be salty mm-hmm. that, that's so that's kind of where i'm just going to take you now let's go um but a side, little side caveat in chapter seven of sermon on, uh, of matthew sermon on the mount still i think it's verse six or seven 
but Jesus is talking about um, not judging people, you know, taking the log out of your own eye sure. so that you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. And then he says, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Mm-hmm. So those are the, these are the two times in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter seven, where there's a mention of things being trampled under feet. Sure. And it's when uh, in Matthew seven, it's when you give good things to those who don't value it. They eventually will trample on trample you and then it's also here when you serve no purpose the purpose that you're meant to serve that you're trampled okay so what does it mean what does it look like to be salty so i started digging i started thinking through this man what does the bible say about salt that's where i started simple question so it's not that's not a complicated question to start with yeah and i think anyone can do this with um with tools on online uh there's blue letter bible which i think Mm -hmm. you can do word searches i think bible hub you can do word searches probably so so there are ways that anyone can do this so i started with just a general search for the word salt the english word salt in the bible also a concordance also a concordance just if you you have a paper concordance concordance, that's old technology that (laughs) people with gray hair Sorry. So you were saying books look great on shelves. They do. That's their only purpose. They make me look smart. So everyone's fooled. Exactly. So uh, I did a search for the English word salt. Uh, I'm noticing that it appears a few times in Genesis. One of the notable times is when Sodom and Gomorrah is being destroyed and Lot's wife is turned into a pillar of salt. And then it popped up in, in Exodus. And I started thinking, Oh, this is interesting. In Exodus, it was, it was about this perfume that they're supposed to make that's just for the Lord as an offering in the tabernacle. And one of the ingredients was salt. So then I actually wanted to get more specific and I am nerdy and I do like the original languages of Hebrew and Greek. So I started thinking, okay, well, these are like English words. Let me just make sure that I'm using the Hebrew word for salt. So then that actually limited my scope to two really specific early passages, one being Genesis, the pillar of salt. But then leviticus chapter two so i'm gonna take you to leviticus chapter two and leviticus chapter two starts off when anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the lord his offering shall be a fine flower and then you start getting all these details of grain offerings to the lord and as you're reading in chapter two you get down um i'll I'll pick it up in verse uh, 11 and read through verse 13 No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. That's what makes dough rise. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So, and then you're reading like all these chapters about grain offerings and the times that you should do grain offerings. But what we know in Leviticus chapter two is that grain offerings should always be salted. Yes. Okay. So just store that away. Okay. Grain, offering grain salted. offerings are salted. Okay. Okay. Then my like, weird Bible mind made me think of another passage and I just went there and then I was reading it and then I was seeing all these these patterns. So in my humblest opinion, these are all connected. So <laughs> from the mouth of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66. 
Okay. Uh, which is about new heavens, new earth, the new creation through the rede- the redemption brought about through the suffering servant, which is the Messiah, who we know to be Jesus Christ. Yep. So uh, I'm going to pick it up starting in verse. Um, I'm going to pick it up in verse 18. And I'm just going to read through and I'm going to pause here and there and make some statements. So remember, Leviticus 2, offer- grain, offering. grain offerings are Salt. salted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter 66 of Isaiah, starting in verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. And I will set a sign among them. Pause. The sign in the book of Isaiah is actually the lifting up of the suffering servant. Um, so it's actually it's actually fulfilled in Jesus being lifted up on the cross. That's the mm. sign that's lifted up anyways. So resume from the pause. And from them, I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. Pause. So he's saying, there's a sign that's going to be lifted up, and then from that sign being lifted up, aka Christ being lifted up, there's going to be sent people to the nations mm. to tell about the glory of God that has taken place and has been seen. Now we're going to resume in verse 20. And they shall bring all their brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on the dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. Mm. Okay, so here's what's going on in verse 20. There's there's argument about what this means, but uh, one thing that we can all agree with is that it's the these messengers going out, and then they're bringing either Israelite brothers from exile, or they're bringing... Uh, the family of God, brothers from the nations. But regardless, it's the family of God being brought from the nations and they're drawing the nations in and they're they're bringing the people from the nations in as an offering to the Lord. So hmm. they, this is the offering. And it's not like a, not like a burnt offering or something. Oh, the, no. the, the term here for offering is like a gift, mm-hmm. um, a tribute, something like that. So... They're bringing this gift to the Lord and they're bringing in the people from the nations who are now responding to the glory of the Lord on horses and chariots and mules and dromedaries, whatever that is. I would need to look that one up um, all to the holy Mount Jerusalem, which is now this this new temple that God has made. And there's that interesting note that's just as the Israelites bring their grain offerings hmm. in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And he's like, OK, how do people. How do Israelites bring grain offerings? Salted. Mm-hmm. Salted. And then verse 21, and some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. That's really interesting too. So he's not saying some of them will be Levites and I'll make them priests. He actually is saying, I'm going to redefine priests and Levites. Like Non-priests and non-Levites are going to be made priests and Levites. Which was not the way it was before. Which was not the way it was before. And he actually... God goes on to say, I'm doing a new thing. This is awesome. You mm-hmm. know? And it is awesome. So then it sparks your imagination of the New Testament authors saying that we 
as Christians are a royal priesthood and that we are uh, we are living stones and we are bringing a sacrifice. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that uh, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And, and Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. You, you are the ones who bring the offering. You are the ones who gather the nations. You are the ones who are, are what make the offering acceptable and pure. Uh, I think that because a lot of what Jesus says in Matthew is all linked together with Old Testament stuff. I think from Leviticus chapter two and Isaiah 66, that when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? I think what he's saying is that you as a disciple, your purpose as salt is to bring the nations as an offering to God. That's what your identity leads to your purpose of bringing the nations in to see the glory of God through the proclamation of the gospel. The good news that God is reconciling sinners to himself through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Which makes sense if we just walked out of, here is how you will be persecuted. Here's how you'll experience hardship. Take heart in in these circumstances. Because if you're going out, right. To gather, that's right. going to be a hard experience. Yeah. He, he, the very last Beatitudes that you heard was, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Right. Rejoice and be glad. You're like one of the prophets. What did the prophets do? They went out with a message yeah. uh, calling people to repentance Called from their sin and the forgiveness and the restoration that God offers them mm-hmm. and say, hey, now you're doing that. You're in that heritage. So I think at least an aspect of what it means to be the salt of the earth is that we bring the flavor into the offerings of the nations as we bring our brothers and sisters who are not yet our brothers and sisters into the family through the adoption of the father through the sacrificed son applied by the spirit. That was me exhaling. Yep. Chris, Chris is looking at me right now the way I wanted him to look at me <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> he prepped me and he's like, Chris, buckle up. I'm going <laughs> to blow your noggin. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. So all that to say, I mean, all that stuff is amazing. So one takeaway your bible's incredible and the more you read it the more you'll just start seeing these connections and use the tools that are available to you online and just google salt in the bible you know and, and then you just start reading through it. and there, there's lots of times the salt occurs where i'm like that probably has nothing to do with it it's just talking about salt or the salt sea which is what we call the dead sea um, but the second takeaway is okay if you are a follower of jesus you really are the salt of the earth nothing changes that and as salt, you, one of your purposes as your identity of being salt is to bring flavor into this world. And the way you bring flavor into this world is by drawing out the best of the culture around you and the best of the people around you and by preserving it. And the way you are going to preserve that for eternity is by sharing the gospel with them and by them responding to the gospel in faith and by being in God's kingdom for all eternity. Wow. So part of this really is evangelistic. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, that'd be the takeaway I would make from that morning Devo of mine. Wow. Yeah, so I, that just goes to show the value of just asking yourself a couple set of similar questions. What was the author thinking when they wrote this? What was the big A author trying to say mm-hmm. when they inspired this? And, you know, think like a, an, an old, a newer Old Testament mm-hmm. author. And that 
that can lead to really beautiful discoveries yeah. where you're like, this is so rich. And that's one delight I get talking to you and, and just saying my Bible in general is the more you do it, the more you're, you're just in awe. Mm-hmm. You're just in awe of the creativity of God. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. I know it was, that was a little bit longer than we usually do, but that was from Matthew 5 to Leviticus 2 to Isaiah 66, all with the connection of salt and offerings being brought together. And what does it look like to, to be a salt, to be salt and to be a part of these bringing of offerings to the Lord. In 20 minutes, it was free. Nothing can beat it. Nothing can beat it. The only thing that would make this better is some movie theater popcorn Mm. with some light salt. There we go. Thanks for having me, Chris. we're full circle. We'll see you next time, Sean. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.